Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast. With me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and... Me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And we have a spectacular treat for you this week, don't that we? Spectacular treat. Spectacular. It is, of course, spectacular, the second studio album by pop phenomena, Steps. Uh, they're still going. Yes. They're back. They came back They for their second reunion, mm. uh, their second comeback, uh, in 2017. Which was celebrating 20 years of Steps. That was the hashtag, wasn't it, going around? Uh, yes, and what are we celebrating today? Because normally there's a significant milestone um, as to why we're talking about this group this and this album this week. Yes, about that. <laughs> My calculations weren't quite correct, sadly. Um, so we are celebrating a milestone. The song uh, Deeper Shade of Blue from this album turns a significant age this week, tomorrow actually. It's 19 years since it was released. I Initially when we planned out our episodes, I thought it was 18. I got my didn't carry the one over, so... Well, I did just think it was 20, 2018 still, so um, uh, I think we're yeah. both a little bit off on our uh, on years. Yeah. I think when you get to a certain age, you stop counting the years. Do you? <laughs> so, Steps, British group, five members. You've got Claire. Faye. Uh, Lisa Scott Lee, the legend uh, in her own lifetime, in her own lunch lunchtime, that's Lisa Scott Lee. Uh, she's totally Scott Lee as well, isn't she, actually? Yes, and I'm sure we'll come on to that. And um, Lee Latchford Evans, and last but not least... H. And H stands for... I think we all know what H stands for. So the five of them um, got together back in 1997, and they've had a lot of success mm. over the last 20-plus uh, years. I would say more success than they their management, their songwriters, any of their team ever imagined they would have. Don't you? I, I completely agree. I think they really, they tapped into a real fun side of pop music. Um, it came along just at the right time. Five, six, seven, eight was the kind of entry point. Yes. Uh, which is a bit of a novelty record. Sort of hopping on that, uh, the Woolpackers, Hillbilly Rock, Hillbilly Rock thing. <laughs> and Rednecks. Rednecks, of course, who are still going, I think. Uh, I read somewhere that apparently, to date, there have been over 20 different members of the group Rednecks. Goodness me. Almost as many sugar as the Sugar Babes. <laughs> Almost. And since then, they've sold over 20 million records worldwide, 14 consecutive top five singles in the UK, a, a number of greatest hits, um, I think, mm. um, collections. And then they came back in 2017 to maybe not the dizzying heights of where they were, but they were certainly very warmly welcomed back and they had some some modest to good chart success again. Well, for, uh, for there was a minute when um, Scared of the Dark was number one in the iTunes chart, which was just even to have reached... It didn't end up you know being the number one single of the week, but even to have reached that in this day and age, I think it was phenomenal. I was very shocked and you could see on the band's... Uh, Twitter and whatnot, they were clearly seemed chuffed with that. But you mentioned, you know, the, the chart-wise, uh, music-wise, they're not quite hitting those heights, but ticket sale-wise, with this most recent tour and the one that was about, was it about five years ago or something like that, when they first got together? 2011, yeah. Um, they can fill out an arena, can't they? They're still selling out mm. when they tour. Uh, they've got a very loyal fan base uh, still, um, and although that fan base may have matured now, um, they're still very committed to to attending those 
gigs. And let's not forget, back in the day, and I forget the year, if, if only I was more professional and I did my research, they won a Brit Award, a special sort of one-off Brit Award, to recognise the amount of tickets that they'd sold. Oh, that's nice. It's almost like they wanted Steps to have a Brit Award, so they um, looked at the metrics and worked out the best way to do it. Yeah, well, do you remember when they were nominated for Best British Newcomer and uh, Bell and Sebastian won it? And there was all this uproar from the pop fans and the step songs because apparently Bell and Sebastian were on album number three or something like this. And apparently it had been confirmed beforehand that steps were going to win it. So I think it was the year after or maybe two years after when they got this award from the Brits and it almost felt like maybe a bit of a, an apology for what happened. Well, we've talked about snobbishness in pop music um, in the past. And I think steps are a great example of a group who are just great fun. Yeah. And yeah, they're not going to change the world or win the Nobel Peace Prize or anything. But uh, you know, their brand of kind of lightweight, really, really energetic pop music um, is a welcome addition to the to the landscape. Yeah, and surely those people who are fans of things that are a lot darker or a lot more serious or a lot more depressing, surely they see the value in having someone like Steps around. Because if all of the music in the world was like that, well. It'd be a much duller place, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be, uh, wouldn't bear thinking about. Should we get stuck in? Oh, God, yes. So here we go then. Um, side one, track one. Uh, and we're kicking off with a little belter. Uh, this is Tragedy. Tragedy there, and we did the full routine, didn't we? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's like riding a bike, I think, that. You never forget how to do that. No, absolutely not. Of course it's a cover. This, I think, is one of those rare occasions where the song itself was already a huge hit for the Bee Gees, despite the fact of, of, of how popular that was and how well-known that was. The Steps version has overtaken it, hasn't it? And will it be on your brother's uh, wedding playlist? Well, what a good question. This, excusing the fact that of course, the video for this is set during a wedding, and at the end it is the wedding disco and the, the buffet is out. Um, yes, it will, absolutely. It's a it's a staple wedding song, I would say. I'm just having a... I haven't watched the video for a long time, and isn't Pete Waterman the DJ at the wedding reception in the video? Yes, he is, yeah. Because yeah. he was one of the mm. brains behind Steps, wasn't he? I remember with Steps, quite often they would... They did lots of double A-sides, and quite often they'd release a track from the current album and then add on a new song. So this came out in December 98, I believe, November, December 98, as a double A side with Heartbeat from the first album. And I remember what was exciting about this was that it didn't go in at number one. It, for a long time, it was kind of around the, the top end of the charts and the top 10. And I think it was after Christmas, actually, when it went to number one. So Heartbeat Tragedy, um, it was steps, the double A side was their fourth single. Pete Waterman was sat on the song Heartbeat for quite a few years before pulling it out of his back pocket for steps. And it was released in November 1998. So getting on for 20 years ago now. Yeah. And I have to say, not to touch on it too much, but Heartbeat, I think, is their best ballad. It's a very it's lovely. dramatic. And especially at Christmas time when you pop on MTV Christmas Channel or whatever you watch 
Um, it's always a favourite then. So we've got a lot to get through today. Let's move on. And we will be moving on later actually. But track two is After the Love Has Gone. After the love has gone, Dan again second track, and you remembered all of the moves for that one as well. Many more than I thought I would actually. I think it does stay ingrained in your brain. It's it's, it's a bit like the lyric. The lyrics are, are all there somewhere, and the, some of the moves as well. So, um, and that video was great, wasn't it? Oriental themes, yeah, Asian influenced. The band in a sort of a, a jade green satin, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, and filmed in Orlando Studios. So this track uh, was another big hit. It was the second single off this album uh, and spent 11 weeks in the chart. Got to number five. Yeah. Although just to, you know, make it confusing because of what they did with the tragedy, I guess it was a third single because of tragedy, but the second single proper. I, yeah, it's got to number five, did you say? Yeah. And I distinctly remember... I, I, memories are fascinating, aren't they? And the film um, Inside Out, I love how it got kind of shows how memories work but I distinctly remember being in the car with the family sat in the back um, and listening to the chart show when it was announced as number five and I was quite gutted because I wanted to go a little bit higher it felt like after Heartbeat and Tragedy got to number one they were kind of chasing that number one for a long time and they did get it with Stomp years later a couple of years later um, but I do remember thinking oh number five especially when I'd been to W.H. Smith and bought CD1 and CD2. <laughs> um, which of the three lasses is on lead vocals there? It's Claire, of course. Yes. It's a ballad. Yeah. She's very good, isn't she? I mean, her, yeah, her vocal is phenomenal. Some people might say it was wasted in steps, not I. Um, so this song, Tragedy, was a cover. This was an original song, not written by the band. There's a few of those, but the duo of Topham and Twig who have put together... Like some... a detective um, <laughs> pair, pair like Rosary in Time or um, Dempsey and Makepeace. Yes. I've never heard of those. Is that a real one? But they've, they've done a lot of work with Steps and they've done a lot of tracks on this album that we're going to come to. It was also produced, as was Tragedy, as was a lot of this album, by Pete Waterman. Track three now, and this is Love's Got a Hold on My Heart. It's a really good song, actually, and um, you can't say that about every song on this album. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's probably my, yes, it is my favourite song on this album. Wow, that came quite quickly. This was um, the official lead single um, from this second album. Just missed out on uh, number one. Dan, um, for a point, can you tell me... Uh, who kept Steps and this song off the number one spot? Wow. So Bearing in mind, this was 1999. 
What month? July '99. July. Britney? No, but it was a, it was a solo artist, a very significant solo artist of the time. Uh, Christina? No. Male? Very significant male solo artist of the time. Robbie Williams. No. Justin Timberlake. No, he wasn't. Solo a very yet. significant male solo artist of the time who's not really doing um, music anymore. Because he's dead. But he is. He's not dead. Lou Bega. No. <laughs> I give in. Uh, Ricky Martin. Oh, living la vida loca. Obviously now um, acting and having a family. Uh, so big hit, basically. Uh, this track was and quite. Deservedly so. And I remember that video as well. They were in Jade Green for After the Lovers Gone. They were in a very bright sunshine yellow for this one, weren't they? I love the colour themes that they would have for each video. Blue for Better Best Forgotten. There was sort of a red for Heartbeat. That would, that would... And a kind of deeper shade of blue for... Um... <laughs> Did you really just do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also a B-side, um, which is unusual for Steps, because normally it's remixes galore. Um, normally WIP work in progress remixes which I believe is the remix the standard remix for PWL stuff yes Um, but the B-side is called To Be Your Hero and is a rare male led song yes Um, I remember that I've I've forgotten that song existed I remember because I did have this on CD but not Lee so songwriter alongside old Pete is Andrew Frampton on this yes Quite, he's done a few on this album. We're going to come across his name a few times. Uh, and he's also done things with other artists, including Rick Astley, who, of course, worked with Pete Waterman a lot. Kylie, again, another Pete Waterman one. And Natasha Bedingfield. Oh, interesting. And he co-wrote Single. Oh, uh, I love that one. Yeah. Mm. And I guess that's giving him the opportunity to be a bit more, not quite as bubblegum. Time for track four now. And I know all the moves to this one. Say you'll be mine. Well done. For the dance moves. For the dancing. We should make this um, episode of a vlog or something, shouldn't we? So this was um, this was another Christmas release. It was a double A side with uh, their cover of Better the Devil You Know. So they've done it again. They've released the album track with a new cover. And then later that appeared on the next album. But then still they continued to release things from this album. Really are throwing the discography off course. Uh, but it's safe to say their cover of Better the Devil You Know does not hold a torch to Kylie. I would disagree. Oh, why? Yeah. I think because I didn't really know the Kylie one when Steps brought theirs out. So that was the one that I really... I think I'd probably heard it a couple of times. Uh, I always associate uh, Kylie's Better the Devil You Know with balloons falling from the ceiling. Why is that? And listeners, if you know, you know. Hmm, that's a thinker. And it entered a very crowded marketplace when this song was released. Christmas week 1999. Um, and it was double A-side galore. So S Club 7 had a double A-side out. Two in a million, You're My Number One. Westlife had a double A-side out. I Have a Dream, Seasons in the Sun. And then Steps joined as well. As a result, obviously, if it, probably if they'd released it any other week, it would have done better. But it went in at number seven. Did you hear someone different singing on that track? 
I heard a little a little male voice in the background. Lee Latchard Evans, was it? Yeah, he's... Yeah, yeah, lovely to see him. I like it when they all come together. You know, Claire is the, the strongest singer, arguably, and the rest have all got their their moments of shine. But I like that everyone gets a vocal in this song. I really like that. The video as well, it was there. I, I'm, I think every pop group did this or variants of this around this music era was it was their mu- uh, movie homage. Yes. And we had Titanic... We had Romeo and Juliet, we had There's Something About Mary, Austin Powers, Armageddon and Batman, which was very much some of the films that were around at that time. Yeah, I don't remember the Batman bit, I remember the rest of it. Oh, it was Fade Batman, actually. But th- this song, I think, weirdly, of all the songs in this album, this one makes me feel the most nostalgic because I distinctly remember this being on in the front room around Christmas time and it being on TV, the video being on TV. And even without looking it up, I can see that front cover of the single... Um, with all the little squares of them with mm. um, in the movie scenes. It really is a nostalgic thing for me, this song. It's lovely. I'm welling up. Oh, let's move on then quickly um, and we'll get some tissues. Track five, I think it's Love. There. And that's Claire's solo of the album, isn't it? And I'm not a fan of that sort of thing normally. Love. Um, just, well, a kind of a, a quite a sickly sweet ballad, mm. um, because that's what it is. But I can't help be drawn to Claire's voice, actually. She's got a real set of lungs on her. And she still has. She's just released her debut solo album, hasn't she? Mm. And I have to admit, I haven't heard the whole thing, but from the few tracks that I've heard and the releases and the buzz tracks some really great songwriting but of course her vocal is still faultless and actually there's some real um, it's not don't be put off it's because it's not at all just like that song there's mm. a real nice contemporary mix of sounds on there I just really like her she seems just very very likeable yeah definitely apart from when she her and hate split the band up yeah draw a veil over that I think quite um, quite quite drastic and thankfully they've all moved on from that yes so this one is another uh, Topham Twig composition with Lance Ellington who also wrote After the Love Has Gone with uh, with Topham Twig Lance Ellington now do you know what he's doing now? no so he is one of the regular vocalists in Streetly Come Dancing oh he probably works very closely with uh, Ian Masterson yes it's, it's Claire sounds great on this song but it is by no means one of my favourite on the album and in this next track, um, it's Lisa's turn to shine. Mm. Uh, track number six, it's Make It Easy On Me. So that was Make It Easy On Me. Uh, a cover, Dan, I don't know if you knew. No. Uh, originally recorded by Sybil. Um, uh, Sybil was a brilliant, from, I thought she was great, um, 
in the 90s, um, late 80s, early 90s. If you remember The Love I Lost, When I'm Good and Ready. Uh, nope. To ne- to nope to either of those. It's funny when you look at the writing credits in this album, because this was actually written by Stock, Aiken and Waterman, the Holy Trinity. Oh, uh, okay. I think only last week we were calling the Holy Trinity of pop, uh, Brian Higgins, Miranda Cooper and Tim Powell. So... We're nothing if not fickle. And, and inconsistent. And people pleasers. Yes. And brown um, noses. Uh, well, as, and when, as required. Mm. I have to say, I've got a lot of love for Lisa Scott Lee, uh, and she's done some great vocals on Steps tracks and on solo tracks. For me, it's not the best vocal in the world and the track actually just for me dragged even more than the previous track which is a much more stark stripped back ballad it's just it's it's our more r&b really isn't it and it's so laid back it's almost too laid back for me it's i think her vocals have gotten better over time she's, got, she's become a stronger vocalist so i think just to her sensational solo tracks like lately yeah too far gone electric mm. um which are Real bangers, but she also bangs it out in those tracks. So perhaps, should we move on then? Yes. So here's the one that we're celebrating the birthday of tomorrow, 19 years old. Can you believe it? This is Deeper Shade of Blue. Shade of Blue, I would argue that at the time, and still actually to the present day, almost their most mature release. Yeah, quite a harder sound, like a dance here, a Euro dance sort of sound. Yeah, I think lyrically and... Lyrically! <laughs> lyrically blessed and... No, lyrically blessed, don't try to ignore. That was... That's from a song. Answers on a... Yeah, listeners, if you know, let us know, because that's just coming to my head. I don't know where it's from. Oh, time for some action. Creeping up the back end. Keep the beat nasty, like... If you're getting down, five. Oh, sorry, oh, I had to get that out of my system. Wow, a very on-brand, on brand actually, with the kind of era we're talking about today. So, yes. uh, well done with that. Um, um, great track. Fantastic track. Yeah. And I think, and before I even let you bring it up, I'm going to bring it up myself. The remix. The Sleaze Sisters remix. Were you not going to bring that up? No. It's a fantastic... Fantastic remix by Sleeve Sisters of this one. Very much more clubby. Yes, we'll have to we'll have to pop that on later. After hours, I think. Oh yeah, when we crack open the wine later. Off record. Yes, when we're off the clock. This was their ninth single, um, and it was the fifth song to be released from Spectacular. Uh, and a, little, a, a fun pop fact was this song was originally recorded by. Do you remember Tina Cousins? Yes. Uh, who, uh, she was a solo singer around the same time. She was also a collaborator and did vocals on trash, uh, on sash tracks as well. Trash on the line. She did um, two songs with him, didn't she? Can you remember, can you name those two Yes, songs? Uh, Mysterious Times yeah. and Just Around the Hill, Just Around the Hill. Which was his kind of ballad, wasn't it? Well, there was a ballad version, but there was also a more uh, dance-friendly uh, version as well. A version with the donk on it. It had very much a Sash's donk on. Mm. The video also, I mean, they're were, they were very creative in their videos, but notable for a lot of PVC in this video and a futuristic feel. And just looking at that single cover, actually, it looks like they're dressed as 
Scooch on the flying for flag. <laughs> flying the flag, sorry. Um, but I think this is definitely a, a move to be maybe a little bit more mature within their a particular niche of the pop world. And as you mentioned before, this was the production was by Work in Progress, WIP. So it is, it is the clubbier side of, of, the, of the business. So let's uh, move on. We're just hitting the midway point in the album now. Um, and it's time for a cover. Another one. And, uh, sorry. and it's time for another cover. Uh, so this is track eight and it's moving on. on there and as you mentioned it is a cover of a track by Banana Rama old friends of the podcast hello girls they, they are listeners yes they are subscribers as um, you should all be yes and apparently pop fact for you uh, the girls used the royalties from this uh, cover version to um, pay for the new video that they've just released for their new song all thirty-seven pounds of it. <laughs> now, don't get us wrong. This is we are huge Banana Rama fans, and we love the girls dearly. Very but much that so. video looks cheap. Yes, they. I think they describe it as fun, um, and I think you can have fun in a, a more professional manner um, against a green screen. Yeah, I mean, remember the video they did for Move in My Direction? It was. Mm. It was. I think it was shot in the States. Some really nice cinematography there. I tell you what, all they needed. They need a day at Canberra Sands. Bit of sun, couple of puppies, run around, 50 quid. So, as you can tell, we don't have too much to say about that, other than it's probably not our favourite track by either Bananarama or Steps. No, it does feel a lot like... I remember reading recently that... I can't remember if it was Karen or Sarah from Bananarama said it was one of their favourite songs. And also they re-recorded it for the Now or Never EP back in, I think, 2012. And, of course... Pete Waterman, who co-wrote it with them, put it on this album. It feels like they're all really big fans of this song, and it feels a bit like the flogging a dead horse. Well, and I can understand for the girls how this might be quite meaningful for them because of when it came in their career and where they were as a group. Because it was the first single as a duo, yes, wasn't it? Yes, yes. But I don't know what significance it has for Steps in mm. the middle of their second album. No, I think actually back in the day, it was one of my favourite album tracks. And it is very much an album track, isn't it? Definitely an album track. But uh, now, going back to it, yeah, shall we move on, actually? Let's go to track nine now, which is Never Say Never Again. Never say never again. Never. I'm just trying to work out the logic. <laughs> yes, I would. And second question: Have you seen the James Bond film Never Say Never Again, which was an unofficial Bond release? Yes, this was from the soundtrack, wasn't it? 
Sadly, you're mistaken. <laughs> I think it would have made a fine bonchu, actually. I wonder how they go about... I wonder whether they select... Whether Barbara Broccoli selects the artist to record the the the, uh, the main song or whether people submit Well, I can, I can tell you, actually. I've seen a documentary oh. on this and people do submit them. So for Spectre, which Sam Smith did the theme for, the writings on the wall, but Radiohead also put in an entry with a song called Spectre, which they released afterwards. Going back through history, there are some fantastic examples. Um, For Your Eyes Only, which was done by Sheena Easton, I think. Blondie submitted a song for that, which is absolutely fantastic. And I think should have been chosen. And you can find that on their, I think it's the Hunter album, actually. And acts like Pulp, I think. And Duran Duran, who did A View to a Kill back in the 80s. Fascinating. Other ones since. Like Alice Cooper. Pop that could have been. Yes. There's There's a whole podcast idea for someone out there. No, 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 no. Let's keep it for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, copyright. 2019. Yes. So that song, I think it's another Fram- Frampton and Waterman one. Andrew it's Frampton. very steps by numbers, isn't it? It is, but I, I like it. I prefer it to moving on. I think it's got a little bit more, bit more oomph about it. It's got a bit more of a beat. Oomph. Yeah. But it's a little bit of disco in there. And also, when we were listening to that, I was thinking to myself, goodness me, Claire's vocal is absolutely fantastic. And then I realised, well, actually, there were quite a few occasions where she'll kind of set that bar and then Faye will become next and take the chorus or the verse, whatever. And she'll reach the bar that, that Claire set. Right. Track number 10 now. Um, get your tissues out again, Dan. This is when I said goodbye. Then I can see I was Some lovely harmonising at the end there. Yes. Well, I, I thought it was, we were harmonising. I don't think that's what harmonising is, actually. What, trying to shout louder than the other person. Yeah. And when it ends on the line, when I said goodbye, it almost feels like a bit like a show tune or from a musical or something mm. like that, doesn't it? This was another double A side with Summer of Love. Yes, they've done it again, haven't they? Because the Summer of Love wasn't on this album, that's on the next album. So oh, they really are starting to grab my gears with this. But what a fantastic song. What would that lady from Bristol say? Oh, what did she say? Another one? <laughs> uh, I prefer Summer of Love. This is uh, just a little bit too um, lightweight. Yes, although I think I prefer it to the, some of the other more laid-back things. I think it's Love and Make It Easy On Me. I, I prefer this one, but yes, I distinctly remember, even at the time, not thinking much to it. I remember seeing them live a few times and didn't really think much to it. Have you seen them live? No, I haven't. That does surprise me, actually. And I think that might be a fun, a fun night out. You have a few drinks and do mm. your dance moves. Well, I saw. I've back in the day. I think I saw them two or three times, and then last year I saw them at Kew Gardens as part of the Twenty Years of Steps tour. Lovely setting for it. Did you have yeah. some a bit of a run in with some of your some of the people stood stood around you? How did I get punched? Some raucous revelers. Yes, I think I got punched in the face. It just reminded me. I think I got a dance move wrong, and they were offended by it. I think it was that. That was that, Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> it was that tricky bit in after the love has gone. <laughs> Time to move on. I think actually, now you said that, you reminded me. Yes, next one, and this is I surrender. <laughs>
that starts off one way and swings back the other way into a very f- familiar territory. Yes, I, I, this is probably one of my favourite album tracks for that very reason. I think it follows when I said goodbye, starts off very slow, uh, it kicks in with that beat and the strings are fantastic as well. I was listening to that thinking, how good would it be if Steps did a So Fairless Baxter and did some live, some reworkings with more strings, or just did a live set with some live strings. Mm, mixed reception to that Sophie Specs to work, mm. isn't there? What, what are your thoughts? In fact, it's probably not the right time or place. Well, just briefly then. Yeah. Um, I want a new pop disco album of bangers from her. Mm. I don't. I want her to stop retreading old ground. Uh, this, I think, actually, with because of the strings and, and other parts of it, this maybe could be Steps Bond theme. And I Surrender could be a good title for it, actually, couldn't it? They're a bit too upbeat, though, don't you think? Um, perhaps they could strip it back a little bit for, for, the, for the theme. Throw in some guitars. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting quite excited about this. Maybe a few more, maybe a bit more, some more Cynthia sounds. Oh, I haven't mentioned her for a while. Well, for a week. She's best friends with Lisa Scott Lee. Oh. They go out in Cardiff on the lash. God, a McDonald's on the way home. Yeah, and a 3 fight. 3 a.m. <laughs> right. Next song, it's track number 12 of this 14-track album. Uh, this is Faye's solo. This is Since You Took Your Love Away. Phase solo, although I did notice H managed to elbow his way in to quite yeah, a few classic, in that classic H. Classic H. Let me know what that stands for, don't we? Hyperactive. Uh, what a great time to talk about the fantastic artwork for this album. Uh, and you've got five boxes, three of them are smaller, two of them are bigger. <laughs> Do we read anything into who's in the bigger boxes? I don't know. I thought H might have had one of the bigger boxes. Well, his arms are kind of move, uh, interfering with the two boxes next to him. So he's in, he's kind of at the top, top middle box, and he's pointing at the Steps uh, logo in the middle. Uh, Lisa's looking great. Lee's looking a bit vacant. Is uh, it? Faye's very happy. And Claire's, uh, she was obviously in a rush because she forgot to put a top on. <laughs> She's literally wearing a bra. Mm. But back to the track. Yes, it's certainly not a favourite of mine. I think Faye does a fantastic job of the solo. I'd hate to cast any negativity her way, but it just doesn't go anywhere for me, this song at all. No. It sounds like something I'd imagine appearing on a like a Celine Dion album track or something like that. I'm not quite sure back in the day, back in that day. So the penultimate track now, and it's My Best Friend's Girl. So that was H there singing lovingly about his best friend's girl. Mm. What does the H stand for? Hyperactive. And I think the only thing he's probably doing with his best friend's girl is out for brunch and shopping, maybe. 
I think we both, when that started, you started singing What's She Gonna Look Like with the Chimney on Her and I started singing a reprise of Tragedy because I, it is a bit familiar. Yes, very much so. I think that sample is from the Jackson, the Jackson, no, the Jackson sample, isn't it? Uh, feel It. Yes. No, that's a Tampere song. Um, Can You Feel Can It? Can You Feel It? Of yeah. course, the elongated title. Which, that intro and recognising that is probably the most exciting thing about that song, actually, isn't it? I have to say, Dan, I, I, I'm not wowed by the way this album is is ending. It's definitely petering out. Yes. And you know I like an album that peters in, not out. So, well, shall we move on to the next one, then? Yes, this is the last track on the album. Um, and, Dan, can I just say something to you? You're everything that matters to me. Oh, sorry, dropped off then. Oh, that's a real shame because <laughs> that is a very different feel to the rest of the album. I really, I've always really liked that song because I just think it shows such a different side to the band. For me, it's a step too far. Ah. Um, and a disappointing end to this album. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. So this one was written by Jackie James, who also wrote Heartbeat. So that was this was her only contribution to this album, although she has written um, songs for Celine Dion and Jennifer Lopez. I, I think I really like it. I think it's fantastic. It's the most, they've, they've got a few other ballads on this album, but this is the most stripped back. Just It's just a piano pretty much, isn't it? And the vocals and mainly Faye. Yeah, I think it's great. Well, we will agree to disagree on that. And I don't agree to that. I hate to end the podcast on a sour note. Um, so it's a good job we won't be. Mm. We've got further listening now. Yes. And Dan, what have you gone for? So we said for further listening, the goalposts are wide open and we can choose any non-single from the band's back catalogue, didn't we? So I've gone for a song from the album that followed, which was called, do you remember what that was called? Buzz. That's correct. (laughs) That's what you wanted, wasn't it? (laughs) that's what I wanted. That's all I wanted. This is a song that quite often just pops into my head. So... This one is called Paradise Love. Paradise Lost. Will, what do you think of that one? I like it. It's very dramatic. Just the right side of Hammy. Also, it's got... I was trying to think, what's that kind of bass line and backing sound? And it's just the same as the sign by Ace of Bass. I didn't pick up on that. (laughs) Yes, it is. It has got a very sort of balearic feel almost to it. And it's interesting you say Ace of Bass because I was thinking at first it reminded me a little bit of La Is La Bonita. And then I thought, is it a little bit like Cruel Summer as well? And of course, Ace of Bass covered Cruel Summer. So mm. um, I think you're definitely right there. And 
dramatic is a great word for it because I think the vocals, particularly the backing sort of R's that they're singing R, but I'm not going to try and sing it. The backing vocals really, and the, on the chorus, really help with that. The, the general vocals are fantastic as well. It's not quite a stomper, is it? But it's a nice mid-tempo mm. track. Uh, and I love that kind of elongated false ending as well. Kind of, you think it's going to come to an end, but it just carries on a little bit. That, that caravan of theirs just trudging along. <laughs> so yeah, nice, nice selection. Lovely. So, Will, what have you gone for for your further listening choice? So I've gone, we're on the same album. Oh, fantastic. Um, and I've gone for the title track from this album. And what's it called again? Buzz. said it in this episode but the reason I selected that it's a fun song it is a, a fun song very fun song yes um, and a brilliant key change um, which I don't think we got a key change did we throughout the whole of Septacular mm, I think we definitely need to cover more groups that do key changes more frequently mm, should be a, one of our kind of um, what was a rule that we follow uh, our raison d'etre oh, sorry 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 um, and I thought it'd be lovely to, after how I wasn't the biggest fan of the way the album petered out, I thought it'd be really nice to leave this episode um, with some energy and some fun. Yes, we're absolutely right. So both those tracks can be found on Buzz, which is the third Steps album. And this one's got a fantastic writing team behind it. So it's got Andy Goldmark and Mark Mueller. They co-wrote Jennifer Page's Crush, which is oh, a banger classic, in itself. yeah. But Mark Mueller also, and this is one of my favourite facts that we've ever shared on the podcast, he um, wrote the theme songs for Disney's DuckTales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I, I, I'm so happy about that. Um, it's funny you should mention that as well for, uh, for any Lego fans listening. Uh, they've just announced the, se- the next series of Lego minifigures and they're doing a series two Disney characters, mm. including Huey, Dewey, Louie and Scrooge McDuck um, and Chip and Dale. I might get my mitts on there. Mm. After that, I'm able to do a, a Chip and Dale's set. <laughs> Minifigures with just yellow yellow bodies. Mm. So that's it. We're out of time. Um, and what a great chat this week about Steps. Yeah, it's fantastic. And do you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we come back to Steps one day. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> no, genuinely, maybe. Definitely, maybe. Hint taken. So if you've enjoyed this week's episode, please do let us know at Move to Trash UK, hashtag track by track. And please do continue to subscribe and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And Dan, what's coming up next? Can you give us a hint of a tease for next week's episode? I certainly can. So next week, we're going to be talking about, it's a name that's cropped up a lot throughout the last six months plus of <gasps> Track by Stuart Track. Stuart Price is back. Not Stuart Price, oh. and I'll thank you to not keep guessing because you might get there and it'll ruin the surprise. <laughs> um, but it's a songwriter and producer who, do you know what? His name might not be recognised by every listener, but the songs we're going to talk about next week certainly will. To say anything more would be to give it away. So that's it for now. Uh, until next week, I've been Ian H. Watkins. And I've been Lee Latchford Evans. 
Goodbye. Goodbye.